Welcome to Keeping It Real, where we talk business, money, and mindset. On today's podcast, I brought in someone I work with. Actually, her name is Amber Morningstar. She is the founder of Dropset Gorgeous LLC. And in, in the podcast, we talk more about what she does and what that business is. And the reason I brought her on is because she has changed the way I look at business and the way I run my business. And she has been very, very helpful. And I know that what she knows can help entrepreneurs and people that want to start their own business. You know what I mean? We talk about automations, how to actually be a boss and not, you know, run a business rather than have a job. And guys, trust me, this is one of the dopest podcasts I ever recorded. Uh, I always say, man, the word boss lady gets thrown around a lot, but you know, I've never met someone that defines that word better than Amber. She's truly a boss lady, one of the best business person I've ever met. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm excited for you guys to indulge in this episode and learn from it so without further ado i hope you guys enjoy this episode i did with amber morningstar welcome to the podcast amber (laughs) hey i'm excited to be on thanks for having me oh yeah i'm excited to have you on as well and i had to have you on because you know we've only been working for a month and you've helped me so much and i feel like not only have you helped me i've learned so much about business and I've so learned so much about how to do business properly, just like working with you or just seeing you, what you have done. And, you know, knowing that so many business owners and entrepreneurs follow me, I've had to have you on just talk a little bit more about, you know, the importance of working on the business versus in the business, automation, systems, all of that. So, yeah, before we even get started on that, like, you know, um, I, I'll, I introduced you already, but go ahead and introduce yourself to some people that don't know you. Yeah, for sure. So um, my name is Amber Morningstar. On Instagram, I'm known as Drops. I have a background in corporate sales and retail before coming into the online world. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's really what has allowed me to be so successful in what I do. Um, A lot of entrepreneurs don't realize how much structure can set you free. So I think, you know, bringing that corporate structure into online businesses has really allowed me to help businesses scale. Um, and that's exactly what I do is I create structure in businesses so that they're able to scale beyond six and seven figures um, without the wheels falling off. Right. What's your, what's your story overall? Cause I know you're really into fitness, you know, I yep. think that's one of your main things and also business. So I kind of want to just hear, I guess, you know, you, you're getting your start in all of this and transi- transitioning to fitness or going into business, just the whole story. For sure. Yeah. So um, I probably started getting into fitness when I first finished university. So I went to university for psychology. Um, I was partying a lot. So obviously mm-hmm. that comes with a little bit of weight gain when you're drinking a bunch. <laughs> for lack of better term, skinny fat. So that's when I started to work out. um, And that's when I fell in love with fitness and started building up my social media. um, And it got a lot of traction really quickly. I was very lucky with that. Um, People people tended to like me. Um, So my Instagram grew. And uh, from that, I decided, hey, you know, how can I kind of make the most out of this platform that I built, this community that I built, and how can I give back and help others? Um, And that's when I hired my first mentor. uh, And that's when I started doing online personal training. Um, That was my first online business that I had built. And I took that business to 10K a month within the first month. And I said to myself, wow, I guess I'm pretty good at this. (laughs) You know, bringing an online business to revenue that big, that fast, you know, was Mm -hmm. unheard of for me. I couldn't even believe that I was able to do that. Um, But what I enjoyed the most about that process was building the business, not necessarily coaching the clients. Now, I 
don't get me wrong. I loved all my clients, but the business side was really what intrigued me. And so I wanted to explore that a little bit more. And the mentor that I had hired to teach me how to do the online business actually ended up asking me if I would come on board on his team because I was Mm -hmm. doing so well in the program and implementing the strategies so effectively. Um, He wanted me to come in and and help a little bit with his business. So I said, you know what? I'm an overachiever. Let's do it. So I was working my corporate job um, from home. I started helping him in his business and I was doing my online training business at the same time. Yeah. So that was a lot of, you know, balls to juggle. Wow. Um, While still doing fitness and taking it seriously. Yeah. Competing and working out and all of that. So you were competing as well. Yes. Yeah. So I'm definitely the type of person that's like, give me another plate to balance. (laughs) Like I just want more and more and more. So, um, you know, when I was making all that money in online coaching and then having his business as well, I said to myself, you know, I really think I'm at a place where I can exit your traditional I decided to leave my corporate job um, and I just pursued, you know, solely online based business uh, work and mm-hmm. um, working with him. I ended up being the COO of his company within, I think like three because like I said, for me, the business side was what intrigued me more. I ended up starting to, you know, uh, phase out my online coaching business because I was having more fun building his business um, to be right. truthful. Um, and- the idea to kind of have an agency that offers operations and systems because that's where I was enjoying myself the most. Um, And then eventually transitioned from his COO to having my own business where I'm now basically a virtual COO for several companies. Right. And, and you know what, you've been helping out a lot of businesses and transformed like, you know, um, a lot of businesses I've seen it just not only with mine, but also, you know, someone I know as well. And that's just awesome. That's just, you know, so awesome. And I think it it goes on to the next point about running a business properly. So what I realized is a lot of young entrepreneurs, you know, they get into business, not necessarily for the business, right? So they get into drop shipping, not really caring about drop shipping, but more about making money. Right. And in the beginning, a lot, everybody starts off like that. But I realize you can't get long-term and consistent results doing that because like, you know, especially if you're managing everything, right? So I guess just like even making people aware of systems and having a team and running a business like a business, uh, why do you think it's important to actually have a team and, you know, systems and like you said, the business side of things that you do? Yeah, for sure. So like being a solopreneur and then being a business owner are two totally different ball games, right? Like. Totally. So you can take yourself to six, multiple six figures on your own, but eventually you're going to hit a wall. Like you just can't physically do all of it by yourself. And so once you start incorporating team members, things start to get complicated because now you're not just responsible for yourself and your own. It's basically like starting a family, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. and that first time you hire your first person is like having your first kid, you know, like you're going to make some mistakes and uh, you're going to have to learn from those mistakes, but you have to kind of like mature as a business owner to realize that, you know, shooting from the hip and just kind of like, go, 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 go works for you when you're the only one that needs to kind of be in the loop on things. But when you start incorporating a team, they need structure. They need a system to feel confident in where they can say, okay, I understand what my role is, how I can contribute to the bottom line of the company. Um, if, if you don't have that direction for them, you're going to bleed money out of your own pocket because they're going to spend so much time 
trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing rather than doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and like, once you get those pieces in place, that's really scale. Cause like I said, like you can only go so far on your own. That is so true. And I think I, I've been seeing that a lot lately as well, because maybe this is just me, how I grew up. I've always been the kid to do everything myself. You know, even at school, if it's a group project, I'll be like, can I just do it myself? Yep. Just because <laughs> I never really like, you know, like I don't like relying on people, especially if I know they'll let me down and yep. <laughs> just having a team for the first time. I remember it was like, so like crazy, right? I'm like, Oh my God, like, is he going to do this perfectly? Blah, blah, blah. But I think, ever since we started working together and you really came in and trained the people, like make it, made it so much more organized. Like it's crazy to me. Cause sometimes I feel like I'm not doing anything, but then I'm like, Oh wait, <laughs> stuff is getting done. And you know, everything is good. And it's just so crazy. Like, I, but not only that, what I realized is that, you know, okay. Like you said, you can reach six figures or multi six figures alone, but I think reaching that seven figures or also that consistent income that's yeah. going to be hard without a team. And now that, you know, the team, I guess my team is solid and I'm like so much more confident. I truly think that we can hit like record numbers with ease now, you know, just because I know in the back end that, and with consistently too, because in the back end, I know that, you know, everything is being supported by the systems or the team members or whatever. And I think that is where you need to be, right? Like as a business, just get the freedom. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think like, when you get into entrepreneurship, you do it because you don't want the typical structure of a nine to five job. And I get that. But like I said earlier, you know, structure really does set you free because you need that structure on your back end so that you can go and do all the things that you want to do. So you can be in a position to feel like I'm not really doing anything, you know, that I feel like I'm doing, but my business is still running. Um, That doesn't happen without structure. It doesn't happen without a team. Like you need to really give yourself the freedom that you initially wanted. Um, And like you said as well, predictability in terms of revenue. Like if you don't have a system, how can you predict? If you can't repeat a process, you can't predict any revenue. It's just like, well, I really hope that things are going to go well. Um, you know, but there's no guarantee or statistical prediction to say, Hey, we can truly like scale this to X dollars, or we can predict with confidence. We're going to make an extra 20% in revenue this month. You can't do that if you don't have data and if you don't have systems. So, you know, I feel like a lot of people that see success in their business, they'll see that upward trend. They'll see that exponential growth. Eventually, especially if you don't have systems in place, if you put systems in place before you hit that plateau, you're not going to break and you can continue to follow that pattern and know exactly how that pattern is going to map out. But without, like I said, that structure, you can't guarantee anything. You can't make a plan. Right. And I think you, you made me like, realize. I remember when we first talked, you said that, you know, oh, there is the the number that we want to hit that, you know, it's our intuition, yep. but then there's the number that the, you know, what the numbers will tell us that we are going to hit based on data. Right. And I yep. think I never, I actually never even thought of it like that, or even like, you know, I think I also realized and this is something I've been saying re- lately as well. Like I, I, re- I really realized that I just get less stupid every day. You know what I mean? I have to like come <laughs> into the fact that I'm only 20 years old and I don't know everything. Right. And I think a lot of people, this is where they mess up as well. And you know what? I've seen this in me and this is why they don't hire as well because they have such a big ego when it comes to their business. You know, they think they know everything. They can handle everything. No, no, no. Facebook ads. I got it. Blah, blah, blah. But then that becomes their own doom. Um, A a question I think a lot of people are asking me or, or, or someone might have right now listening is, okay, I get that, you know, team is important. You have to be structured, blah, blah, blah. But 
What about someone that can't afford a team right now? What, what can they focus on, you know, as a business owner currently uh, right now, just themselves to kind of get to that point where, you know, let's say they do get at a higher scale, they're good. You know what I mean? Like what are some things they should really, really focus on? I guess that's the question. Yeah. If you can't afford to hire a team, your team is your systems, right? Mm -hmm. Where can you automate processes? Where can you create a standard so that there's a repeatable outcome of what you're doing in your team? Because if you can set up automated onboarding stuff for your clients, if you can set up a structured proposal and agreement package, things like that, that help to minimize the amount of time that you're doing manual tasks, that's still leverage go do revenue producing tasks, right? right? So anything that is manual and repeated, try and find a way to automate that and create a system around it so that it takes you less time or takes it off your plate altogether so that you can focus your time more on things that are going to bring more revenue into your company. Right. Um, systems and automation. I think you should talk about accounting as well. I think that's a big thing. A lot of people talk, don't talk about, and even me, you know, when we came in, that was not a part that I focused <laughs> on, but I realized how important it was. I just talk about the importance of that because, uh, especially young people, they don't even focus on that, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. I think like any entrepreneur that I work with, one of the first things we look at is the books and most often they don't have any, so we have to create them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need to be tracking that. You need to understand, you know, how much revenue is coming in, what's going out, where are you spending money on expenses? You can't, you know, optimize the spending in your business if you don't know where you're spending money. Um, especially for people who see success, you know, rather quickly because they're just seeing a ton of money coming in. They're not paying attention to what's going out because at the end of the day, they just see they're making a ton of money and they feel great about it. But you need to look and see, you know, like where can I cut down costs on software? How much am I actually spending on advertising? What's my ROI on that? Like you need to know those numbers because again, it comes down to, if you don't know the data, you cannot optimize anything. You can't predict anything. Um, And then like beyond that, see entrepreneurs make is they commingle assets. So they don't create a business account for their business. They just run everything through personal business, uh, personal Mm -hmm. bank accounts. And uh, that, you know, creates a lot of liability for you from a legal perspective. And it also creates a mess for any accountant who tries to come in and do your taxes because then you're trying to piece apart, you know, was this, was this visit to Chipotle a personal visit or a business Mm -hmm. visit, you know? Um, So you need to separate them, separate your personal and your business expenses completely from one another um, and track everything so that you can start creating budgets for yourself so that you know, predictably what your profit's going to look like. And so if revenue decreases by, I don't know, let's say 50% one month, we'll look at your budget for all of the different categories you're spending and understand you have to decrease that budget by 50% or what are you willing to decrease by 70% so that the other thing can have more money that month. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, it's just like, it's smart business to know all your numbers, where your money's going and what's coming in. And like I said, to separate that personal and the business. Right. I think just like making conclusions based on data rather than what you think is happening. You know what I mean? I think that's a big thing. And a quick question I have for you, where did you learn? I know you said you work, you know, a corporate job. Is that where you learned the systems and accounting and organization, all that, or were you always like that? Um, I've always been a big numbers person for sure. Believe it or not though, Mm. when I was in elementary school, math was like my worst subject, but now Mm. I'm like all about numbers. Um, Mm. As far as like learning the accounting and stuff, I did a lot of that in retail. So when I was a store manager, you know, I had to plan the budget for the store and I really ran that store like it was my own little business, you know, even though I had to answer to uh, guess in square one. 
Oh, word. I've yeah. I've been there a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I, the accessory store, I don't know if it's still open, but when I started with them, they were like the worst store in Canada. By the time I left, we were number one. Wow. Yeah. So That's they were unreal. like, here's the store. It sucks. <laughs> and I built it up to the number one store in Canada. And that came down to having a strong team because I can't do it by myself. And mm. knowing the numbers, you know, I had to budget like how I was going to spend you know, what inventory was coming in? What, what were we selling? What could I predict? Our Back to what we talked about earlier with like what you feel you can hit versus what the numbers show. Cause like in retail, they're all about what they feel you can hit in terms of a budget. And then I would say, but realistically, this is what we're trending to hit. Um, they didn't really care about that and they still set the targets exceptionally high, but I already <laughs> knew, Hey, hit this, but I'm going to tell my team let's hit this number because I'm not going to discourage them with a number that just makes no sense. Right. Right. Just an unattainable number and then just kind of lose all. Yeah. Like if the company is doing, you know, negative 30% for the year and you're telling me you want me to hit plus 50%, that's, that's Mm -hmm. a big jump. And I have to make up that negative 30 and then an additional 50. That's just not realistic. I get that that's what they want and expect of you, but if the trend line's not there, it's not there appear out of thin air, um, yeah. especially in a retail store. I feel like, you know, when it's your own business, you have a little bit more control, obviously over like what you're spending on ads and stuff like that. Um, but in a retail business, not as much, but that's kind of like where I would say I, I learned like the base of, you know, not like understanding the numbers and, and predictions based on data would be more so from the retail experience that I have. Right. I think anybody that is listening should really pay attention to what she just said, because I feel like, you know, you changed my mindset with that is understanding, okay, the numbers you're going to hit based on the data versus just your intuition. Because I feel like, just like what you said, we can be like those, you know, uh, the owners that project all this out. Like, oh yeah, you know what? We're going to make hundred thousand this month. And then you're like, oh, we never, we've never even hit 30,000 yet, you know? So <laughs> yeah. anybody that is listening, I think you guys should really start taking your accounting seriously and really at least organize that. I think that at least if you do that, but when you're growing, it'll, it'll be helpful, you know, and you'll be glad that you actually stayed organized. But, um, when it comes to team, do you have any general advice for people? Cause I know people still ask me this a lot. And even when I was like starting to build out my team, I remember I was going, looking at courses online. Not many people have like, you know, really good advice, but whenever, you know, we started talking, we started working together. I kind of understood, um, a team better, you know, a hiring process. Cause we even went through that right now. So do you have just general yep. advice for, you know, managing a team, hiring people and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, I always say hire slow, fire fast. Um, and that may sound cutthroat, but it's your business and it's your money that you're wasting to have the wrong people in your team. So it's really important to take the time to find the right person. A lot of times people wait till they're two weeks past needing somebody on their team. The sense of scarcity and pressure of, I've already been struggling for two weeks. Let me just find someone super quick and get them in as opposed to Mm. I'm starting to feel a little bit of pressure. I should start looking for someone. I don't need someone, but I'm going to start looking for them because then you have the room to be picky and you should be picky. You know, they're, they're coming into your company. You're trusting them with your company. You know, even if they're not going to be like a COO or or a C-suite exec, you know, they're still coming into your company and you're trusting them with valuable pieces of information of IP and of 
you know, representing you and your brand if they're client facing mm-hmm. or doing work that's going to be shown to clients. So you want to make sure to be very picky with who you hire and very fast with who you fire. If you see problems, have that open communication and conversation with them. If it becomes a persistent issue, don't wait six months to get rid of them. You know, mm-hmm. wait a month, two months tops because ju- I always say this, just like a shitty relationship, <laughs> it's just going to get worse. So cut those ties. Don't hold right. on longer than you need to and move forward. Yeah. Before you even move on, uh, it's so funny. What the advice you gave is like the mistakes I made in the beginning, you know, like, like you said, hiring when I needed help because I was that solo on, you know, solopreneur in multi six figures, but I was alone. Right. So I was like, yeah, I remember every day it was like, holy fuck. Like it felt like slavery yep. like to myself, you know, and, and it sucked. And just like that, I had to hire someone fast, but and hire someone fast and they might've not been the most qualified, but you know, there were someone that I guess, anyone could have helped that time. Right. And yeah. that ended up costing, you know what I, 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 in the long run, maybe thousands of dollars, but I remember even, you know, they made mistakes that cost me thousand dollars personally, this, that, or whatever. And at the end of the day, as a business owner, you're going to have to take responsibility. So I think even looking at also like just talking about hiring people, not looking, I guess, look, not looking just for like the price, you know, looking for quality as well. I, I didn't, I realized that's a huge thing as well that people might mess up on where they just go ahead and hire a virtual assistant from India, not knowing the consequences or opportunity cost of hiring that person versus someone more qualified. Yeah. I mean, like if somebody is going to come onto your team for $2 an hour, there's a reason for that. Right. And that's not to say that that person is, you know, stupid or something, but if they just don't Mm -hmm. have that experience where they can charge a higher price, they don't. I've worked with people from the Philippines who charge $15 an hour and you can get people from the Philippines that will only charge you two to $4 an hour. Right. But the thing is, is like the person that I know that charges 15. She's great at what she does, you know, and she should be paid for that work. She should be paid for that level of experience. So regardless of where in the world you're hiring, it comes down to what value can they bring to the table for you. And mm-hmm. like you said, quality over worrying about the dollar, right? Like you will knows for somebody who you hire that's not a quality team member, unless mm-hmm. you're ready to train them to be a quality team member. Right. right. So like if you're not paying out in dollars in what you're paying them, then you're paying out in time that's going to take for you to sit down and teach them every little thing and piece of your business. If you have the time for that and you're willing to invest that in someone because you see potential, then I say go for it. But if you need to move fast, which most people do, go for that like middle ground, find a happy medium of this person has enough experience, but they're moldable. I can teach them things and they're in a price point that makes sense for what I can afford for my business. Right. That, that's hundred percent true. So someone like you, that is like, you know, working with multiple businesses, you know, doing your own thing as well. How do you stay organized? Like, you know, from day to day? Yeah. Um, I implement a lot of to-do lists and I use a project management software called Monday. A lot of my clients, including you use Asana. Those are my two Mm. favorites. Um, I'm not really a big fan of any others. I know there are others out there, but Mm. having those available to me and breaking them all down based on what do I need to get done today? What do I need to get done this week? And what's a nice to have, right? I think too Mm, often people make a to-do list for themselves that's like 60 items long. And then at the end of the day, they're like, well, this sucks. I only got 20 things done. But getting 20 things done is a pretty good completion rate, you know? Like that's a lot of things. So I look at it as what's the size of the task and what's that priority level in terms of today, this week, or nice to have. Um, Mm. My nice to haves are like, I would love to get this done this week, but if it doesn't happen, I can push this to next week. 
right? So that way I'm always feeling like I'm winning because my today list, I'll keep to three to five things tops, Mm -hmm. right? Because like who can't get three or five things done in a day, right? And then if I can knock off a couple of the this week tasks that same day, even better. But at the end of the day, you know, I will always feel like I'm winning because I set myself up in a way to win as opposed to overwhelming myself and always feeling like I'm losing. Um, and I recommend that people do that with their team members as well, too. I always communicate to my team members when I give them a project. This is a low, medium or high priority. Um, high priority, like I said, is I need this today. Medium is this week and low is, you know, if you have time. Um, mm. So that they understand where to spend their time, right? And so that you're moving the needle forward in the most meaningful way, but you're still communicating everything that needs to get done. That's awesome. That is some amazing tip. It's so good. I have to write it down myself. <laughs> <laughs> Are you reading any book right now? I'm curious. Uh, yes, I'm reading Built to Sell. I forget who it's by, um, but I just started it and I like it so far. Definitely interested in the idea of building businesses that can be exited. I think that mm. would be like a next level strategy for me moving forward. Um, right. I, I just think like it's cool to build a business around you. That's great. The problem is, is like we are all going to get old. <laughs> we can't escape time. Um, I can't be the face of my business for the rest of my life. Right. I don't want to be doing consulting calls when I'm 90 necessarily. You know, right, I right, want to be right. traveling a little bit more or, you know, <laughs> taking a few steps back. I can't do that if my brand is me and my business is me. Right? right. So if I can start looking at ways to build businesses that don't have me as the face that can be exited, I think there's a lot of value in that. And so that's why I'm starting to do a lot of research um, on books and resources that can help me accomplish that. That's awesome. And is the the leadership book that you were telling, I think you posted, is that your favorite book of all time? Yeah, I listen to it all the time. I'm actually, it's in my Audible as well. I'm going on like a well too. Um, because I focus so heavily on helping businesses build teams. That's like my number one book. I always either like recommend or I'll send it to my clients as well. When they start up, you beat me to it. You went and got it before I could send it to you. Um, but it's an important book because you have to be a good leader for your team. If your team fails and you have strong people on your team, the only person who's faulted is, is your own. hundred percent. I think as a business owner, you got to take responsibility for everything, no matter what. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like if, if anything goes wrong in your business, it comes down to like, what could you have done better as a leader to prevent that from happening? And if that answer is providing better training, more clarity, or just simply sucking it up and firing that person on your team, that's just not performing. It still comes down to your decision. Like you are the driver of your business. You have to take ownership. Right. Right. And, and plus you have more control if you actually take ownership of everything as well. I yes. think I, I learned that from Brandon is like if someone, and I think this was an amazing tip that I learned earlier before I had a team and he said, you know, if someone in your team messes up, messes up, don't get mad at them. See how you could have prevented that. You know, did you give them proper, clear instructions? Could you have trained them better? Could you have given them a better, you know, resource to help them achieve that? And once I started thinking like that, I realized that like, first of all, you get less bitter saying just like taking ownership of everything, just so you're not at the end of the day, you have control over your business and you're not out here blaming people because the last thing you want to do is blame your team for why you're messing up. Yeah. I mean, I know that there's like that saying that says when you point a finger, there's three pointing back at you. That's like Mm -hmm. the exact thing you need to think about in your business. Every time you point a finger at someone on your team is like, what three other things did I do wrong or could I have done better that could have prevented the fact of me having to go to my team member about this? 
Brandon said, you know, like you have to set your team up for success, right? Right. Um, they look to you to get leadership and you have to be there to give them that. Otherwise, you know, you're only hurting yourself and your own business in the long run because they can go find another job. I mean, like you could build another business, but I mean, do you really want to do that because you were so stubborn that you couldn't just be a better leader? Right, right. That that is so, so true. Um, A question I like to ask everybody because I'm super curious on this topic is how do you view like money and how has your viewpoint of money changed as you know, you started off with, I guess, a student with not that much money to where you're at now with your business and actually making consistent money. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when I was younger, when I was working like three jobs, going to school, um, the idea of having a lot of money was like very foreign to me. I was just, you know, thinking, I, I really hope I can get to a place where I make 100K a year one day. That was like my big goal. Yeah. I was like, you know, if I could make a hundred K a year, that would be the perfect life for me. And, um, I also think too, that, you know, I resented, I don't know how to say this, but like I resented like designer brands or people who, who had a lot of success. Cause I was like, it's not fair, blah, blah, blah. I had a lot of victim Mm. mentality around the situation that I came up in and the fact that I was always struggling to make it work, to make a dollar, whatever. Um, I still grinded it out every single day because I wanted to build something for myself, but I really felt like I was battling this uphill battle. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started to work in the online space, my mindset changed and I really said to myself, you know, I'm not a very woo woo type person. Right. Um, the first mentor that I had, he definitely was more like that. And so I kind of said, how can I find a happy medium here? I definitely want to have a more positive outlook. I don't want to have a scarcity mindset. I don't want to shoot myself in the foot when it comes mm-hmm. to like being my own biggest block to making money. But right. I came from a place and a lifestyle where it was like, it just didn't feel possible to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I found like my happy medium of how I was going to motivate myself and kind of open my mind to that idea. And when I started my personal training business and I started making all this money, it was like, what the hell is going on? Like I've right. never seen this much money in a month, like 10 K, you know, right. I used to make 10 K a year, um, you wow. know, and now I'm making 10 K a month. Right. So, uh, it was definitely a big mindset shift for me. And now I try to focus on having a mindset of abundance, you know, multiple mm-hmm. six figures is just the beginning for me, you know, seven, eight figures is the ultimate goal. I'm going to think as big as possible. And I also have completely removed any sort of like animosity or like for lack of a better term, I guess like hate towards like other successful people because I have proven to myself that with that hard work and that perseverance, like I can make it happen for myself. So I'm sure they had their own struggle, their own come up. Who am I to judge them off that and say that they had it easy? Because people say that to me all the time. Oh, you must have had your parents pay for (laughs) your school. Oh, you must have just had your parents help you build your business or you just like fell into success. Like, no, I worked hard for that. Um, And so being on the other end has definitely given me a different perspective in terms of like, other successful people in my space. I don't hate on anyone. I want to see everyone win. Right. Um, and then I just have that like abundance mindset now because I don't want to be my own biggest block. Right. I think that's one thing I've noticed with a lot of people and even me, uh, I realized I used to focus so much on other people. And like, if I see yeah. someone else succeed, it used to hurt me. Like it was so weird. It used to literally hurt me for some reason, you know? And what I realized is once I'm on my shit, like once I'm focused on me, yep. once I started focusing on my goals and my business, no, you don't even care. Like you actually are happy that they're winning. You know, like I love that. Like you just said, love seeing everybody win because it's just more positivity. It's just better for you. And when everybody around you is winning. 
right? And um, that's actually awesome. Like, uh, and I also, I think one thing I realized, and I had, you know, a time period in this year where I was just a bum, you know what I mean? I was just lazy, uh, just very complacent. And I remember it, those feelings started to come back. And then at that point it hit me. I was like, oh shit, this type of feeling only comes when I'm not my thing or like, you know, or when I'm not working at my hardest because it makes me insecure about, you know, like, my, like me not doing enough or, oh, I should be there, but not putting in work. And I think uh, that mindset shift has helped me a lot. And I think, you know, that mindset shift will make us more money. Like you said, abundance, right? When you think in abundance, it, it, money just flows. Yeah. I think people think there's like this limit to money and if someone else is getting it, it's taking it away from you, but that's not the case at all. And the more that you allow yourself to perpetuate those feelings of like scarcity, where it's like, if, if he's doing good, he's taking money out of my pocket, even if they're in the exact same industry as you, like different people work with different people because they resonate with them. Like they're not taking money from you. You need to just focus on your own shit because you know, we only have so many minutes in the day. Our brains can only think about so many things. Why the fuck are you going to waste time thinking about someone else? Right. Worry about yourself. <laughs> Worry about any it minute it you spend. Affect you in any way. Exactly. Any minute you spend thinking about someone else's success is a minute less you can focus on your own success. Mm, I like that. That's a banger. Uh, so w- when was the moment where it really hit you? Because you said, you know, you thought 100000 a year was a lot. What was that moment that it hit you that, oh, you know, seven figure is possible. Oh, eight figure is possible with what I'm doing and what I got going on. When was that moment? Yeah. When, um, would probably be my first 10 K month when I was doing the online training and I was like, this is possible for me, wow. you know? Cause like when I saw everyone else and like the testimonials from like the program that I got into and all that, I was like, I mean, it seems possible, but is it possible for me? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have that feeling when they first get into entrepreneurship is like everyone around me is making all this money and I want, I want to do that too, but can I do that too? Um, and when I really proved that to myself by applying myself and seeing that success, that first 10 K month, I was like, man, and that, that was like, it wasn't easy, but it wasn't hard, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just a lot easier than I would have ever pictured in the terms of like, cause I was selling high ticket. Right. So right, right. $1,500 packages. I was like, Oh my God, I'm selling these like hotcakes. Like this is crazy to me. So I was like, if I can do this and I scale this, like the sky is the limit for me, you know? And that's why I have that tattooed on my back because I never want to create a ceiling for myself. The sky is the limit. I can do whatever oh, I wow. want to do. I just have to make it happen, you know? And once I find a way, then I just like run with that. And so that would have been like my first instance of like, damn, this is really possible for me. Right. That's so awesome that you had the tattoo of the skies. I I have a wallpaper. My wallpaper is a bit different. It says there's levels to this shit. Just want to remind myself every time (laughs) I get in my head, I'm like, there's levels. Like, you know, you're not even there. Yep. I think that's what, like the same thing you say with 10K. Once you made the 10K, you're like, oh wait, this is not that much. I thought this was like, everything yeah. when you get it you're like oh and then when you reach the next level you're like oh wait you know it that is achievable and then you just keep on going going and going and it's awesome um a question also i like to ask everybody is are there things that are like not even business you know correlated to business that you do that kind of help you indirectly with your business you know what i mean like hobbies activities that you do that are not like directly linked to business but help you with business Yeah. Um, I would say like fitness for me is huge because it requires a lot of discipline. Um, and that's why when I look for team members, I look for people who have played sports in the past, people who have been in the military, stuff like that. Any sort Mm. of like outside business activity that that requires discipline. 
right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're disciplined in that part of your life, you're more likely to be disciplined in the other parts of your life, including business. Um, Mm -hmm. So forming strong habits and living a healthy lifestyle outside of my business allows me to create a healthy business. Um, I feel like the times where I've like, you know, like you said, you had a part of the year where you're kind of being a bum. The times where I've let myself be a bum and like eat like shit and not go to the gym. That's where I feel like, you know, I've lost out on some forward momentum I could have made in my business if I'm not taking my business. Right. Do you meditate? I am the worst for (laughs) ask me that. And I feel like I just cannot get that skill down. (laughs) I've tried, um, but it is not something that I've been able it's something I do want to improve on because I feel like, again, that's an area of my life where I'm potentially missing out on maximizing because I'm being Mm -hmm. stubborn and not just like sitting down and figuring out a way to do it. That's best for me. Right. Right. Yeah. I think meditation, you should definitely, especially us both knowing Trill, you know, Trill is like, (laughs) I think he, he like ever since he's been super into meditation, I've been so much more consistent with it as well. Shout out to Trill, by the way. You got to get him on the podcast soon. But yeah, um, that's awesome. You should definitely get into, I guess, meditation. Or have you have you read the book, Stress Less Accomplish More, the one that Trill? Yep. Like, that book, yeah. That book really helped me out a lot. So, And I, I recommend that to every. Ever since then, I've been recommending it to everybody because I've been doing meditation for a while. But I remember once I started doing her, I, I just started becoming happier as a person. And, you know, past things, I, I just let go. And I was like, wow, this is cool. A little side note, but there's that. But um, yeah, before we end the podcast, I just want to, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to do this because I know you're very busy and you got a lot of things going on. But yeah, before we go, do you want to, I guess, plug all your social media links or any of that? Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. It was a blast as always. I love talking with you. We always talk, like, I feel like all of our touch bases could be podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) For real. (laughs) Um, And then for social media, you guys can find me on Instagram. It's at dropset.gorgeous. And that's the main social media where I hang out. So you guys can follow me. Um, And I've got some new stuff I'll be launching this year. So I would check there for announcements on that for later in 2020. Oh, oh, and before we go, I completely forgot. I probably got to do this beginning as well, but she's the reason this podcast is here, guys. <laughs> so everybody go give her a follow just for that because without her, this, you know, this podcast was just an idea in my head. It's something I've been wanting to do. You know, she actually was able to help me execute it and turn this into reality. So shout out for her. Shout out to her for that. Thank you. I appreciate right. it. Anyways, guys, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. That is it for this episode of Keeping It Real, everybody. And if you guys did enjoy this episode, I just ask for a small favor, and that is to share this with someone that you know would benefit from this podcast, as I really want to grow this community and this podcast through word of mouth, right? From you guys sharing it or telling someone to mess with this podcast or listen to this podcast or posting us on Instagram. And by the way, guys, if you do post us on Instagram, please use the hashtag keeping it real and tag me at SplashmanPB just so I can see it, just so I can, you know, stay connected with the family and interact with some of you guys. But yeah, like I said, if you guys want to keep in touch with me, my Instagram is at SplashmanPB. If you guys want to check out my YouTube where I drop amazing content and amazing value as well, you know, just search my name, Rikshit Busnet, and my channel will appear. But anyways, guys, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and I will see you in the next one. Bye-bye.